Welcome everyone to our latest NCAA Social Series. I'm Andy Katz. I'm pleased to be joined by Louise McCleary. She is now the Vice President of Division Three. She was named to that post in April of 2022 after serving as the interim since February of 2021. Uh, Louise, I wanna unpack a lot of things about D3. First off, I wanna deal with um, educating those out there that Division Three. Uh, is arguably the largest division of the three, has the most student athletes, and I would argue, and this is a little Northeast bias on my part, maybe the most diverse in terms of types of schools, because as I grew up in suburban Boston, uh, to me, Division Three were the NESCAC schools, uh, and schools like the one you're uh, a graduate of, of Wellesley College, the small New England colleges in Division Three, and yet that is not the entirety of Division Three. There's a wide spectrum of Division Three that really runs the gamut. How would you describe, in your words, Division Three? Andy, first, let me say it's a pleasure to be on with you. Um, I am a product of Division Three, so I love talking about it. As you mentioned, I went to Wellesley College. I was a student athlete. Division Three, Similar to Division Two and Division One, we provide fantastic opportunities for our student athletes to excel within their sport. But we also have this focus, let's make sure that you're really going to achieve what you want to do academically. And then there's always this third component. What else are you gonna do beyond your athletics and your academics? And, and you're correct. And that could be campus ministry. It could be doing an internship or an externship. There are so many other components, but that's always a focus, those three areas of any Division Three student athlete. Division Three currently has 433 members. We make up 40% of the NCAA. So yes, we are the largest. And you're absolutely correct. I am very familiar with the New England colleges and universities because I went to school there. But what's been really fun for me the last 10 years at the national office is to, to learn about all the other colleges and universities in division three. Some are small privates, some are large publics. Uh, we 20% of our division are public universities. And then we have all the ones that are in between that in terms of size. Um, the majority of our schools are east of the Mississippi north of the Mason-Dixon line, um, but we have uh, quite a few schools that are still located in the Midwest, the West Coast, as well as the South and the Mid-Atlantic. So what I love about Division Three is we sort of have that commonality of making sure we provide an excellent student athlete experience, but there's so much, as you mentioned, diversity among our 433 members. Yeah, so let's define a little of that. Um, first off, uh, for those that are not familiar, um, division three is the only division where scholarships are not offered, but certainly there's financial aid, there can be exemptions. Um, so go through for me the, the, the makeup of the student athlete at the division three level. Yeah, so I'll touch upon that. We don't offer athletic scholarships, but there's so much more. We, we've touched on a little bit of the student athlete experience for at a division three institution. The, Right now, uh, the research tells us that the majority of our student athletes receive about $12,000 in some type of aid. And that's primarily either academic aid or need-based aid. So 
it's not an athletic scholarship, but there's quite a bit of money that they are able to obtain as they go to a division three institution. But we've also heard about uh, student athletes who choose a division three institution, they feel part of the community there. They are not treated any differently than any student on campus. And I think they embrace that, they want that. Yes, I am an athlete, I excel in my sport, but I'm gonna take classes just like everybody else on the campus. I'm gonna receive financial aid just like everybody else on the campus. I'm gonna have op opportunities to excel outside of my sport just like anybody else on the campus. And I, I think that's what attracts our close to 300,000 student athletes that are participating in Division Three right now. And, and here's the deal. And I can say this as a parent, you know, I've got one uh, child in college, one that's uh, going to be a senior. So we're going through that process again. And it's interesting for not just my son, but the peers about, okay, what do you want to do as an athlete? Do you want to be potentially a division three athlete, which is not easy uh, to become uh, very competitive, but to have that student athlete experience immersed completely into the school, uh, whatever your real strong academic interest is, but you can still continue to play your sport beyond high school. Or do you want to just go to a division one school, maybe play club and not be a student athlete? And that's fine too. Um, and I think it's an interesting debate that plenty of, uh, 16, 17, 18 year olds go through that are potential D3 athletes uh, about whether or not they want to continue playing their sport. And I'm seeing it as a parent that it's an interesting debate um, because there's so many opportunities that you can have as a D3 athlete, or if you want to go higher as a division one and play club, um, what have you heard and maybe your own experience that you can draw on, on the benefits of continuing your sport beyond high school uh, because you love it, but you know what? You're not going to be a pro athlete and that's okay, but you want to continue in that path. So uh, all the studies still show this, that when you're involved in a team, you have higher organization. You understand sort of that building that community with others, teamwork, discipline, um, and also just Really, yes, it's highly competitive, but the fun of being on a team, of working together for a common goal. And I believe that, you know, it's a decision that many graduating seniors from high school have to decide. Am I able to continue my collegiate career? Am I able to do that? And as you mentioned, you know, I think there's sometimes a fallacy that, well, anybody can play in Division Three, and, and if you think about it, there are only a half a million NCA student athletes, and there's over 8 million high school student athletes. So it's a very, it's a small club that gets to play in the NCAs. Um, and I think for our Division Three student athletes, they want to learn all those lessons that they have already learned in high school but continue it in that college setting, which is even more difficult. You're typically away from home. First time, maybe you're living with a stranger, which is your new roommate. You have a different class schedule and they're different academic, athletic. And as I mentioned, sort of that third component demands on you as you grow. One of the most formative times in your life is between age 18 and 22, I believe. And being on a team, being able to compete, I think it helps that process as you go through college. Uh, it makes it a little bit more, um, it makes it easier and, and more satisfying for some. How much 
are the sports in Division Three um, insulated from some of the the budget cuts we've seen at Division One, where sports get cut um, because you're dealing with obviously scholarships and trying to be equitable, uh, you know, on a college campus at that high level. How much are D three schools sort of in their own bubble that they can provide opportunities in a wide, uh, you know? Uh, diversity of sports? Yes, so it's a good question and, and it's a hard one to answer in some ways. So I will tell all everyone listening that typically a division three institution sponsors about 17 varsity programs. So even if you're a small school, a thousand or less students total, you're still probably sponsoring 16, 17 varsity sports. That's and is that done. combined men and women? That's right, combined men and women. And typically it's very even that that focus on providing opportunities for men and women is critical for division three institutions. The majority of division three institutions, their athletic programs are supported by their university or college. It's not where possibly in a division one where they're looking to outside funds to support their athletic departments. So in that sense, many division threes understand the value of their athletics programs for a couple of reasons. One, it helps with their enrollment management. The data continues to show us that those student athletes are graduating on time. They sometimes have a higher graduation. They're engaged with their campus. So they're valuable members to the campus community. However, we're coming out of a pandemic everyone is feeling a financial pinch at the moment. I have not seen a trend where our division three institutions are starting to drop programs because of finances, but I think that's a reality our entire association is facing. It, it may be in different forms, but those budget constraints are real. I think the majority of our division three presidents and chancellors, as well as our athletic directors versus fully dropping a program We'll say, how do we make other cuts so we can maintain that experience for our student athletes, but also understand that maybe our budgets are going to be less this coming year and for the next couple of years as we recover from the recent pandemic. So um, as we go forward here, one of the things that I'm curious where your role will be in all this is there is an appetite to watch these student athletes. Um, there are tons of alums of these schools, obviously, not just parents, family, and friends. Uh, you know, I, I've got a friend who does play-by-play -play for schools in New England, whether it's Amherst, you name it, Trinity, um, and there's, there's an audience. Uh, so where are we in taking that next step, whether it's streaming, whether it's by conference, through the NCAA, to get more exposure? And I know we're going to do it uh, in Dallas for the women's basketball tournament with D1, D2, D3 all together. And so, and that's happened once before for the men, but for the wide, you know, variety of sports here, where are we in terms of getting even more television exposure or digital exposure going forward? Yeah. And so Andy, I'll also remind everyone listening, we have 28 national championships. And as you mentioned, the majority of our institutions and our conference offices not only are they streaming all of those events, all of those uh, athletic contests, but they have wonderful in-person following. I, I mean, we, we've broken a couple of uh, 
of records in terms of the highest attendance for different football games against uh, significant rivals, both on the East Coast and in the Midwest. Um, for our Division Three National Championships, we already stream all of those. So we have a significant following. We continue every year to look at that. How do we make enhancements? Do we add another announcer who can do color? Do we add another camera so we can have a better angle for the volleyball match that maybe is going on? We continue to do that. And then in terms of broadcasting, that's more limited at the moment. It used to be that we only broadcasted our football national championship and our men's basketball national championship. With the recent review, the gender equity review, the NCA, we last year for the very first time ever, we broadcasted our women's basketball national championship. And so that's something that we continue to look at. We are working with our colleagues over in communications and broadcasting to say, how do we start to choose other division three sports to broadcast them maybe for the national championship game. Division two does a little of that. That's something that's currently funded through the division two budget. That's something that we need to analyze as we're providing for that student athlete experience. Where do we best place our dollars? And we have several committees and councils that are working on that to say, a priority of our membership right now coming out of the pandemic is increasing that championship experience. Just recently, we had a council meeting. They approved to send forward a president's council to hopefully approve a whole slew of new championship enhancements. Broadcasting was not one of them, but I think the membership said, we need to take care of a few other things and then turn our eyes to say, how do we get that exposure beyond all of the web streaming that we currently do and are very successful with, with our 28 national championships. So you brought up gender equity. Um, you know, the championships obviously is under the NCAA purview. Uh, and again, uh, you know, because I think maybe where I grew up and where I live, you know, I've got plenty of friends, friends, kids that have gone through championships and they've enjoyed the experience. Uh, what's your goal of enhancing that experience for the D3 athlete, regardless of sport, during that NCAA tournament run, you know, whether it's uh, from campus site to an eventual neutral site, uh, bracketed, you know, different things that certainly can occur to make it even more of, uh, of an experience that they'll remember forever, and especially with amenities and you name it, things that could make the experience even more enjoyable. Yeah, so I mentioned we just did uh, approved some championship enhancements and two that I think will directly impact our student athlete experience. One is a day of rest that will occur for select sports between the semifinals and the finals. So we've heard that. We heard it from our soccer coaches. We've heard it from other sports. We will implement that starting next year. Another is increasing our per diem for the student athlete who's traveling. Again, it may not sound that flashy, but to have some more money so that maybe that you're in a different hotel or you're having a nicer meal on the road than you're typically used to. That I think, again, if your children are playing sport or there's others, we know that while the game is critically important, what happens during your meals, during your travel, Sometimes those memories stay with you a little bit longer than the outcome of the game that you competed in. And so we believe that that will also enhance that for our student athletes. And so does the they, swag. They all love the swag. That's right. 
That's right. And so we've had the swag. It is not, uh, I can't say it's compared to the division one swag, but there is absolutely swag that we give to our student athletes, uh, especially uh, those who are winning a regional round or a championship round in terms of uh, the trophies that they receive. So we continue to look at that. Um, we're trying to take care of, we're playing a little bit of catch up to make sure that we're funding the championship as fully as possible. Um, I don't know if that will directly go to the student athlete experience, but it'll absolutely go to the institution who's funding those students to go. And um, you know, one of the thing, Louise, that, um, you know, I, I get on my soapbox on, on our series many times. And, and one thing that, that gets me a little crazy is that, uh, you know, this, this, this theory that, you know, certain schools don't need the NCAA and they can do their own thing and whatever. The relationship between the NCAA and Division Three, I think, is arguably one of the strongest among the divisions. You know, they need each other. Uh, and there is no, you know, adversarial relationship. I think everyone's worked in concert. And we saw that at the convention as well. Um, you know, when we heard from Division Three representatives, how, as you transition now into this leadership role, rather from interim to full-time, how would you assess that relationship between the home office and the vast majority of these Division Three schools? Yeah, I would agree with you. It's a strong relationship coming out of the Constitution. You know, it's a great moment in time for us to look to say, how do we make our division even better, even stronger? And how you do that and how I've tried to do that from my role as the vice president is make sure that our standing governance committees, our sport committees, our councils are really communicating with the membership and understanding what the membership needs. And so we did a membership survey this year after the convention. And that really has sort of set the framework and the path for how we should move forward. But it all comes back to communication. I, I am so thankful we are a membership organization of all of those individuals that serve on our committees. We have a new advisory council that's similar to the transformation committee. Our councils, um, our presidents, our chancellors, how they work together, how they listen to each other to say, how are we going to position ourselves better tomorrow to improve that student athlete experience? And sure, there are points of contention that always come up because different individuals wanna go in a different path, but that's why we have the convention every year. We have one vote per institution and conference office. They come together to go, okay, this is what we want. Now we're gonna vote on it to see if the majority actually can move this forward. And it's not typical that we have a close vote, um, but sometimes we do. And then we either circle back to say, okay, if 51% approved it, how do we make sure the 49% still feel good about the direction we're moving in? And I truly believe, and especially for my role, that all comes down to communication, listening, making sure that there's avenues for feedback, making sure that information gets to those committees and those councils that are making those decisions so that they are really, they're fulfilling their role as a, you know, a representative governance and, and that they understand what the membership's looking to do. Name, image, and likeness. Um, I actually firmly believe that 
it's a great equalizer. Division three athlete uh, who is, you know, high, is a great performer and you name it, or has a great personality on, on whatever platform, I think can do very well. What, what's the mood right now on NIL, either as a overall D3 or even, you know, uh, where institutions are going here? Yeah, so um, we're behind the curve in terms of what's happening in Division One. So name, images, and likeness is there. It's available for our student athletes. I think many administrators and student athletes feel just with what you said that this could be, this is a very good thing for our Division Three student athletes. I know that our administrators, especially coming out of a pandemic, are looking to find the right resources to be able to educate their student athletes to say if you're going to have a NIL deal, let's make sure that you understand really what you're getting into. The, the large dollars that you read about, that is not there in Division Three. However, our committees are already starting to look at because it will trickle down. And we wanna make sure that we have the right guidance parameters in place to keep it the good thing that it can be, right? Any, NIL, can we've seen it. It can get off the rails pretty quickly. Um, that has not occurred in Division Three, uh, and so we want to make sure that we're working with our membership so that that continues to be the benefit, as you noted, for our student-athletes versus ending, ending up being deterred at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, I just firmly believe that it's low-hanging fruit for a D3 athlete. If you're a basketball player at Union College uh, and you want to go to your hometown and run a shooting clinic or a basketball camp and say that you went to Union College or you play there, that should be fine and a way for that student athlete to benefit off of that, that, you know, it's not going to hurt the institution. It's going to help the individual and, and it's going to help everyone. All right, before I let you go, Louise, uh, not to put you on the spot here, but a year from now, two years from now, what are a couple of things, maybe one thing that you want to make sure that you feel like you've accomplished in this role? Yeah. So one is around the championship experience. Uh, we heard from our membership, we need to enhance that. I am hopeful in the next year to two years, we have done that. We've done that to a way that they say, yes, this is more like what we want to see for our student athletes and our institutions who are competing at the highest level in an NCAA championship. The other, Andy, we didn't talk about it, is that Division Three has done a lot of work in the space of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think uh, we're a leader in many ways for the NCAA that we continue to do that work, especially in light of the world today and that that continues to be a foundation for us. And the other thing our division needs to do, and already uh, we're starting to work with our councils in this space is we need to keep an eye on what's occurring with division one and how may that impact us. Uh, and if there's negative impacts, how are we gonna be strategic to make sure that really what is so wonderful about division three and all of those experiences and opportunities we can maintain moving forward. So I would say those would be the three key priorities for me as I look at the next 12 to 24 months. Well, Louise, I appreciate your time. Look forward to, to discussing these things with you on this platform and others uh, over the coming years. Uh, Louise McCleary, now the vice president officially of division three for the NCAA. Appreciate your time. And as always, you can go to ncaa.org slash social series where all our social series are archived. Thanks for watching, everyone.